First of all, let me thank you for allowing us into your private space to minister God's word unto you. It's a great honor and a pleasure uh, to be able to minister that which God has laid upon our hearts. First thing I want to do is to offer a word of prayer and thanksgiving unto God. And then we'll go into the message this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for all the viewers. Thank you for every single person listening through various devices. We thank you for this provision. I ask by the power that is contained in the name of Jesus Christ, that as we go into your word this morning, you will grant utterance that I will speak as your oracle with the ability that the Spirit himself supplies, that your word will go forth unhindered by any demonic spirit and cause light to shine upon our hearts and give direction to our lives and encouragement to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, thank you once again. All right, we'll get into the word. We continue from where we stopped last week, and we're speaking about something that is really, really um, um, important, both to man and also to God. Uh, we said from the fall of man, the first place in which the consequence of man's disobedience, or what we call sin in the garden, was to be found in the fact that God said, the earth shall no longer in itself yield its increase unto you, Adam, that in the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. So in the field of man's labor, was he going to come into direct contact with the consequence of his fallen nature and the effect of sin within his life? Uh, level of productivity was going to be greatly diminished knowing that the first commandment that God gave to man was he should be fruitful, he should um, multiply, he should replenish this earth and to dominate it. So when man was created, he was created by God to work upon the earth. And it was in this place of his work that the first consequence of sin was going to be seen. And so if we say, which is true, that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the effect and consequence of sin has now been eradicated by the blood of Jesus Christ. Then we should go into the field of human labor and see how this works out and plays itself out within our lives. And so we'll be speaking on wealth. It's a gift from God. And it comes as a result of productive labor. Wealth is a gift from God and it comes as a result of productive labor. Now, we do understand that the prosperity message in very large extent has been skewed off uh, God's intended path, where miracle mentality and mindset have been given to people concerning the way and manner in which they will be blessed by God where that miracle now appears as some magical thing that happens within the environment. But the real miraculous faculty of God when it comes to wealth creation 
is the operations of the Spirit of God within the mind of a person. The opening up of the mind of that person such that that individual discovers hidden principles, discovers hidden treasures that have always been in existence within this earth. But nobody had an understanding of how those things work. And from those products and services that they extract out of the earth, all right, through all right, the operations of the Spirit of God within their mind, then what happens is that wealth is created. In other words, electricity has always been on this earth. All right, but for thousands of years, nobody understood how to extract that value from this material universe and convert it into something that is being used by every single person on the surface of this earth. We will not be able to have and hold what we are doing right now if somebody, Thomas Edison and other people who work there, did not discover that principle that was always in existence. They didn't create it, they simply discovered it and brought out a product right there. I mean, crude oil that is in the ground will have just been black liquid that will just have been disturbing fishermen and farmers. But somebody went in and extracted the value out of it. And all engines on this earth today, predominantly, are being driven. Air travel, mobility, all right, when it comes to cars on the road, are being driven by the energy that comes out of that black liquid. So we're talking about the creation of wealth through productive labor. And that is the gift that comes from God. And this concept of wealth creation is scriptural and it came out of what we'll call the Protestant work ethic. Where when the Protestants began, men like Martin Luther, John Calvin, began to preach and to define all right, Jesus Christ and to make him real into the lives of the people. They came up with a theology that is referred to as the Protestant work ethic. And it's from there, all right, what we'll term modern civilization and this whole wealth creation came out of it. So we want to re-examine the issue of wealth being a blessing from God. But we want to show that it's bestowed through productive labor and not by some miraculous act of God where you suddenly become wealthy without work that has benefited humanity. In fact, the wealth that people have received in terms of material substance, where there's productive labor, the wealth you have received in terms of material substance as a result of the products and services that you have put into the earth when it's done God's way can actually not, all right, be a just recompense for the amount of value you have created into this earth through that particular product and service that you brought forth. In other words, even if you had 10 billion, what you brought into this earth, the, the productive nature of that particular thing is so much that it has benefited humanity at levels that can never be quantified by material things or riches. So it is that you are in the service there of humanity in that which you are doing. All right. So people, for example, who understood how to extract um, aviation fuel and extract uh, petroleum products out of crude oil and, and um, 
petrol through which cars are driven. People have used these things to create enormous possibilities on the earth. And, and people have, have created so many things for themselves. Many things have, have been derived from these that there's really no material just recompense to an individual who was responsible for actually bringing forth that product into the earth. So let me start out by saying this. There are two ways in which a person can become wealthy. Now, we explained this last week, that wealth actually is a gift from God. Wealth is something that is on what was God's own thought and idea about life. I said many years ago when I was much younger, about, about 15, 20 years ago, all right, I grew up in Ibadan and I, I went, right, I lived in an estate called Budija Estate. And there was a man, uh, Reverend Mikwa Mushuka, one of the frontline teachers on the subject of faith, all right, as we teach it today. And uh, the modern teaching on prosperity. And I walked up to his house and asked him one day, I said, you know, I have this feeling that people push back on this prosperity message. And did we get it wrong in the theology? Were, were there, because there, there obviously are excesses in this. And he told me, yes, we can say that. And it's true. He said, but we mustn't throw the baby with the birth, all right, water out. Because wealth and riches actually was God's idea and not man's idea multiplication, God's idea. It was God that came out and talked about blessing. And the example he gave me was Solomon. He said Solomon did not ask for wealth. He asked for wisdom so that he'll be able to judge the people right. It was God's own idea that he said, I will bless you with wealth and riches, which means it is a sacred thing and can be a very holy thing coming out of the mind of God, except you want to be holier than God. All right, holy thing to grant unto a person on the earth wealth and riches. The question is, how do you go about it? Two ways in which people can access wealth, either through labor or by stealing it, right? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28 says, Let him that steal, steal no more, but rather let him labor that he may have to give. So people want to have, and that's why they steal. Now, the alternative is that people labor. Uh, when I said this during the week to somebody, he said, well, but there's wealth by inheritance. I said, well, inheritance simply means somebody else is a beneficiary of the labor of another person. So if something was transferred by inheritance and you became wealthy, it means the benefits of the labor of somebody in one generation is now transferred to the next generation. So the root of that wealth really is either labor or a person goes to steal. Now, in stealing there, what you must understand is communities and nations in which there is real development and growth. The wealth that is being created in that place came as a result of productive labor of individuals. Where there is no real development and growth within that nation, it means people are generating wealth by stealing, dipping their hands into the government pause, all right, in order to create wealth. Okay, so it's one of two ways. It's productive labor. And so anybody who brings about wealth here should be able to point to some product or services 
that they are rendering to humanity, that many people are benefiting from this product and service, and the joint just recompense for that labor that they have rendered or the product or services they have rendered is material substance. And in the eyes of God, we're going to see that the quality of your work can be such that it's only God that can really reward you. And we'll see the system, even a material substance will not be a complete just recompense, all right, for that which you have uh, brought about to the table. So the first thing we want to see about this is, we've said, number one, there are two ways, right, in which wealth can be created, either through productive labor or a person goes to steal, all right? And if a person goes to steal, then what that person is doing is depriving people of that which rightfully belongs to them in order for him to have it in his hand. A person who goes about it with productive labor right, is producing things through their work that benefits other people. The thief is taking away from people. The man with productive labor, woman, is contributing into the lives and progress of people. So the Bible says, still no more, but get into this issue of labor and wealth creation through labor. Now, a lot of young people feel, well, you know, when we labor and all of this, we've seen that labor is not really rewarded. And that's what is creating the temptation in the hearts of a lot of people to use underhanded methods to try to get wealth. But there is a guarantee in scripture. And I want to explain the process that if a person goes about their work in a certain way, it will end up in the creation of wealth and riches that will last generations there, at least three generations in the family of that particular person. If you go about your work in a certain way. The first thing you must understand about your work, we find in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, which means how do I go about working in a way that will be productive, honest labor that will generate wealth. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, it tells us this is the first attitude. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in a singleness of heart, fearing the Lord. So he said, wherever you are laboring, do it with singleness of heart, fearing the Lord, not with eye service as men pleasers. He said, fearing the Lord. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, which means with the whole of your heart, because it is unto the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that, and this is the key, of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, but he that doeth wrong, in other words, steals, shall receive for the wrong which he has done, for there is no respect of persons here. So the first thing we've got to understand about what you have in your hands today and the work that you are doing, that that is a place of direct service unto God. The mindset people have is that when we go to work, we're involved in secular work. God really doesn't know about that. But then when we come to church on Sunday, then that's where we serve God. So you ask a person 
How are you serving God? He says, well, I'm in the choir in my church. Well, I'm an usher inside my church. He doesn't take his practice. If he's a lawyer, if he's a doctor, if he's a tech person, if he um, has a blog, and, and, and if he's a journalist, if he's a janitor, if he's a carpenter, he doesn't take that as where he actually is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees that as secular work where he earns a living. Now, we've got to change this. And he feels, I'm doing that for money. But when I go to church on Sunday, then I'm doing that for God. The first paradigm shift that must happen is for people to understand the sacredness of their vocational calling or what we call secular work. That it is sacred unto God. That this concept of service only being in the temple of God came as a result of the law. That the patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they all were in direct service of God, hearing God. And where they were serving God was purely in the field in which they labored. So there is something, and it tells us in the New Testament here, you shall do it with all of your heart. You shall do it with the devotion you give to what we term religious work. For you are doing it unto the Lord. Now we'll transform labor as it's understood just with this paradigm shift. That people come to understand that where I work and go every Monday morning, I am in the direct service of God. And the way I treat people, will see this, will count. And that when I'm going to be judged, I can't be nasty in my work and say it's secular, and then get to church and be smiling and say, well, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, serving God. No, that's the place. Most of the time you will spend on this earth, you will spend not inside, all right, the four walls of a church or religious worship center, but you will spend it in your vocational calling and what we have termed secular work. So we've got to make that understand that that is a sacred place. So you change your attitude to it. And therefore you understand that I am working directly for Jesus. All right? And therefore I do it with all of my heart. Knowing something else. All right, that I'm not doing it unto men, but unto the Lord. And then I know that I shall receive in that which I am doing the reward of an inheritance. For I served Jesus Christ. So Jesus is going to bestow upon you in the process of doing that work. If you do it as unto him with singleness of heart. As you are serving Jesus, and we'll see this, and you work with that level of integrity, we'll see the ethic you must bring to it, your work ethic. Then you surely will be rewarded with what the scripture has called an inheritance. And we'll show that because you are in the service, all right, of Jesus Christ. So I've written here, you must walk like it's Jesus you are working for. And he says he will reward you with the eternal inheritance.
So we explain what that eternal inheritance is beyond money. But that internal inheritance is something you receive because of the way and manner in which you've gone through that will be transgenerational. Now, God says if you go about your work in a certain way as unto the Lord, he will directly reward you for it. Quickly go to Psalm 123. And it says in from verse 1, this was David. Now this is Psalm, but he was talking about the world of commerce and labor. He says, Unto thee lift I mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, that's when they work, and the eyes of maiden look unto of a maiden to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes wait upon thee, O Lord, until you have mercy upon us. In other words, God says, I will reward that labor of yours that you are doing honor to me, that men may not reward you, and they cannot reward you. And I explain that. Yes, they might give you a salary. They might underpay you, or they might even claim they are, you are being well paid. But God says, if you go into that thing with the whole of your heart, and you serve in the context of that secular work of yours, knowing that it's sacred unto me. And every service you render to somebody who walks in through the door is a service you are rendering to me. And every product that you give, it's naked and opened unto my eyes. And therefore, the detail of every single thing you do is in integrity, we'll see this, even though the individual may not even discover what you have put into it, but you know the eyes of the Lord are upon it. And because you have compassion and empathy for the person that you are relating with as part of your work ethic, the moral principles you have brought to labor, and you do that, God says, I will reward you with what I have called mercy. And this will result in you coming into contact and possession of what is termed in scripture, which we will see an eternal inheritance where you are. So a person who works for Jesus directly, with this understanding of the sacredness of that which they are doing that is secular, will never remain on that particular spot. For they will be periodically visited by Jesus Christ. In what we are going to term coincidences, or what the scripture says, be hospitable unto strangers, for some have entertained angels unawares. In other words, where they are walking, People are going to come into that space and doors of opportunities will be opened up unto them and they will be rewarded from heaven by, all right, or they will see and recognize things there, right, as God's reward for the work that they have put in. Thank you 
for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. If we look at Genesis chapter 32 and verse 9, look at what Genesis 32 and verse 9. Let's see what Jacob said concerning his labor and reward. He said, and Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Hear what Jacob said. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies. In other words, he received many encounters and experiences of God's mercy. Of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff or a working stick, just a staff, I passed over this Jordan when he was leaving his father's house for the first time. All he had was a staff. He said, now I have returned. I have now become two bands. He said, the mercy of God came upon what I was doing. As my reward and the effect of this mercy is that I went out of my father's house just with a stick. A sling around. That was all my belongings. His sto- a stone was his pillow. He said, I pulled down around my neck and now I'm returning with two almost mighty armies. This is the effect of God's mercy. Now it's this kind of mercy that God wants to come on. You don't have to steal. You don't have to cheat. The mercy and live in fear. All right, of, of being discovered one day. The mercy of God can come upon what you are doing when you do it right. And I want to show this. And an inheritance will be bestowed upon you. And massive results will come. You know, the Hilton Hotels, a luxurious chain of hotels. He started out as a janitor. A janitor is somebody who cleans. And he used to clean Conrad Hilton, the Waldorf Astoria, which at that time was the most expensive hotel and for a long time in America, situated in Manhattan in New York. Conrad Hilton said, one day I will buy the Waldorf Astoria. This is a janitor. He eventually did it. Right? By following a particular way of doing work, that will cause opportunities to be opened up unto you. 
And from there, you get promoted and doors begin to open up and you experience quantum leaps without having to cheat or steal from any person. But by the mercy of God that comes upon what you are doing. So this is something that is practical we want to look at. But you have a certain attitude to your work. And you understand, I can never be cheated. As I'm now, I'm a free person. I'm completely free. Because I will go into what I'm doing with all of my heart. And it doesn't matter how people respond. I can, I can do something with all of my heart. And people benefited greatly from it and walk out of my life. And I won't be hurt at it. For I'm not doing it to elicit a response from you. I'm doing it as unto the Lord and I am as certain as I know that God is alive. That in the process of time, the mercy of God will come upon what I am doing. That will open up a door of opportunity for me to enter into a new phase upon this earth. And I will be rewarded in, in eternity. So, fear is gone. I can put all of my heart into what I am doing. Knowing that. There is a God in heaven that is looking that will reward. After Sunday's message last week, somebody sent me a note. And he said, I understand what you're saying now. I understand something I read. Michelangelo the painter, when he was painting the Sistine Chapel in Vatican City, that when he got into the ceiling, he started painting inner parts of it that nobody will ever have been able, ever be able to see without climbing up. And so somebody told him, why are you going to such detail where nobody will ever see? Forget about that. Nobody is going to see that. He said, yes, nobody will see it. But God sees my work and he will reward me. In other words, Michelangelo went into it, doing it in the light of eternity. As That's why till today you hear his name. His paintings, all right, this eternal, his paintings and the worth of it increased by the day, though he is long gone and dead. So let's get into this. All right? Now, if you look at Colossians 4 here, 1, it says, Master's reward, which means it's your business to give material things that are just and equal. But whoever is serving, and you also, you do that, knowing that you are going to receive an eternal reward from God. Now, but there is something deeper than just, all right, earning a living from your work. Now, that's why a lot of people go about things the way they do. They just think it's about earning just a living and, and getting a salary or, or doing business and just getting money. It's beyond that. You know, I was studying a book written by a rabbi and he was talking about the contents of the Torah. And he was talking about the power of loving kindness. And one of the great virtues in scripture that reveal the divinity of God on the inside of man. That brings the presence of God, as the Jewish people say, Hashem, into your life and create impact. Now you think about this. And he said, now think about this. That if you look at a school teacher, or let's give an example, a medical doctor, and use both of them. Now, a school teacher, to show you that... You can, you can, the system of this world cannot, all right, in any way, recompense in a just sense, 
just with even monetary gifts, the exact labor and impute that people have put into the lives of people. Now think about this. A teacher teaches students when they are young, invested her life or his life into them, taught them values, taught them things that stayed with them, put knowledge into them, 30 of these people, and she was doing this every year for 30 years. These people have turned into great people in society, judges, lawyers, um, um, businessmen, government officials, um, um, all kinds of things all over the world, transforming the world. Now, this woman, when she was teaching, let's say, was paid 10,000 naira. Now she has retired. The government is not even paying pensions properly. So she's in penury. Seated in a place with no light. But her contributions to humanity is speaking in New York, in London, in Tokyo, in Sydney, in Johannesburg. People are there working, making use of the values and the knowledge she gave to them. Spent 30, now, and she was paid a salary. But I'm saying that salary is not a just recompense for the investment that that woman put into the lives of people. For she has created, at least contributed in creating hundreds of successful people, even running into thousands. Number two, you think about this. Ten people came in various times at the point of death. They had a 20-minute window to leave. They met with a medical doctor who knew exactly what to do, treated those people, and they, their lives were restored. They've gone out to become massive businessmen. Now, without the contributions of that medical doctor, they will be dead. They could be brain dead. They'll be dead today. Now, they go out into their life. Now, that medical doctor was paid a salary for the contributions he made or she made. This is life preservation. We're not talking about investment in a bit. This is the preserved life. Now, I'm trying to say that the economy of this world is skewed. And until we come to God's system, people are actually, and this part of what's causing the upville that is going on today in the world, and everybody's shouting justice. Because the system in itself is an unjust system, except God is introduced and his divine hand into the world of labor. Now, those will become, now, if the doctor didn't contribute that, now, this doctor today sits down and probably just living an average life. So you ask yourself, is that a just actual recompense when you evaluate things? Now, but if you're working with a mindset that you are doing it unto God, and therefore, as you labor, you are praying consistently, Lord, reward me with your mercy. I will contribute everything in my heart into the lives of people and help them. But I look to you, O Lord, to reward me with your mercy. I'm saying in the process of the careers of these people, Certain things will happen as acts of divine mercy, as a visitation from God Almighty that will bring about what is called an eternal inheritance within their lives.
that when God visits, in fact, it could be that one of these people, now you have to be looking to God in heaven and praying that for it to work for you. And your eyes are not on the human system that is created. Or else you are going to feel cheated. But once you put your eyes, it could be somebody who is in charge, one of the students who is in charge, which is what happened to somebody like Joseph, where it was the chief butler he helped, that the king said, I'm looking for somebody, I'm looking for somebody who can interpret these dreams. Then the chief butler said, oh my goodness. Many years ago I was in prison. There was somebody I met in prison. God forgive me. I, I forgot completely about this person. Go and bring him and became prime minister. Just recompense. It could be somebody out there who was once a student and he said, we need a person of integrity. And he says, excuse me, in the board meeting. He says, what? He says, excuse me. I knew a teacher 25, 30 years ago. She was a woman of integrity. The only person I can put here that I'll be satisfied will not take a dime from this particular thing. And they ask her, where is this person? She said, she's in Africa somewhere. I can go and fetch her. They said, go and fetch her, bring a work permit. Now, that is God's mercy coming. I'm just giving examples on labor that produces something beyond the system of what man considers to be a just recompense for what you have done, which can never be a just recompense. This is the system. But you do it as unto the Lord, knowing that God is going to come into my life in an act of mercy to turn things around. Let me tell this story. This rabbi told a story here. I want to show about God's mercy. I have just about seven more minutes, but let me put this in. He said there was a woman in uh, uh, what you call a Hungarian Jew. She, she, was, she was from a country called Hungary back then in Europe. And what happened was in their area, they had their children who were growing up in a Jewish community then. This was before the Second World War. And, you know, they really didn't have anybody to teach the, um, their children scripture. So they hired this rabbi, and he came with his wife, and he began to teach for many years. And after some time, he got old. And he was no longer as sharp as he should have been. His wife died. And then they found a replacement, a younger rabbi to come and teach, and they left him alone. And this man was just in an apartment, just there, living, struggling. Now, so there was this woman who every day saw that and decided I needed to contribute. So every day she will cook. I mean, his wife had died. So she will take food to him every day in his apartment and serve him. She did that for years until the man eventually died. Now, what happened was the World War began and there was that German invasion. And the, they started killing the Jews in the Holocaust. Now, she had died a short while before that. That's the woman who was uh, doing that. Now, the rabbi had died, and then she also later on died. Now, so what happened was her grandchildren were grown up now, and they were in that particular, in Hungary, in that particular place. She was gone. Had gone home to be with the Lord. Now, of course, they were killing Jews. Now, a particular woman decided to protect that entire family, which were her grandchildren. She built a, an extension to the wall in her house and hid them in the wall. And every day she would go out and buy food in the groceries in small quantities, supermarkets, so nobody would be suspicious and fed them. And she kept them throughout the entire Holocaust until the World War was over and they were safe. Now this is it. Later on discovered 
that that was the very house that that rabbi used to live almost 40 years ago. Nobody knew. And that it was that very spot where they were being given food and protected. That was exactly that same apartment, that spot, was where she used to come, that's the grandmother, 40 years ago to give food to this rabbi and to take care of him. And they said, in the system of God, even when you are long gone, God in heaven is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Just to show the coincidence there was just to show that this was God's reward for, a, for an act of loving kindness carried out by that woman that God saw. And that same spot was where they were preserved. So in the system here, you understand that what God is bringing to the table far exceeds salary. Wealth will be created, riches, but it's even beyond that. You go about your work in a certain way, praying and looking to God for mercy. And understanding that the quality of work that you have put in and the investment you have made into the lives of the people in that place will far exceed anything that you are given back materially. But God that dwells in heaven observes everything you are doing and he will reward you. Quickly got to close here. So how do you go about your work therefore with the whole of your heart? It says do it heartily as unto the Lord. If your heart is not in something. Now why are you putting your heart there? You know God is the rewarder. You know I am serving God. Even if I'm being underpaid, it starts with, this is an opportunity at least to work, to start serving. And the mercy of God will come upon this and watch what will happen in the shortest period of time. For an angel of God will walk through those doors. In other words, somebody will walk in as a stranger that will stretch a helping hand to you that will totally transform your life. In Proverbs 14 and verse 23, it says, In all labor, there is profit. In all labor, not some, all. So don't say, well, what I'm doing. In all labor, there is profit. But there is he that tends to penury just by mere talk. So if you're just talking, 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 you know, I'm going to be successful, I'm going to be this and this, and you are not. Your hand is not in the plow. All right, let's read this. Proverbs 14 and verse 13 here. It says, it tells us, all right. It says in all, verse 23, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. So how do I do my work? What are the qualities I bring to the table as you go about your work? Now you understand that this is sacred. You understand that, that I am serving Jesus. You understand my reward is going to come as an act of God's mercy over the entire period of my career. First quality you must bring in is reliability. If you are doing your work the way Jesus describes work should be done, I'll go into detail in this next week, you will be considered somebody that can be relied upon. 
Joseph, they could rely on him. In other words, the first thing about a steward is that you must be found faithful. Right? That means you can be relied on to deliver. You have competence, you have capacity, and you have character. You must be found faithful. Your work ethic are the set of moral principles you use in the performance of your job. That is, integrity is brought in. Doing the right thing always when no one is watching. Making sure, even if the client will not notice the change, you stick to the best quality because you understand God is watching. Punctuality. In other words, not only do you arrive on time, I'm trying to tell you the work ethic, we'll go into detail. Arrive on time for work. You do the assigned work within given time frames in ways that meet your objectives. Number three, you are a skilled individual contributor. In other words, you understand to do this right because it's work. Work means you have a certain skill you are bringing to the table. If you are a nice person and you don't have the skill, you can't do that job. If I'm nice and, and, and I, I, I mean, I'm not an engineer, I can't do the job of an engineer, the reason why that work is to be done is, to, is for you to execute on something. So you must regularly acquire skills through knowledge to improve performance and, all right, you are ready to do the most difficult tasks in that place. Number four, you have to be entrepreneurial. In other words, in all labor, there's profit. The reason for work is that it has to be profitable. You can't just say, you know, you have to look at it. How do I make this thing? How do I generate ideas and thoughts that will increase the profitability of this thing that I have been given? So you have to come in with the spirit of an entrepreneur. We'll talk more about this next week and bring that to the table. Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice who has listened to this message. Pour forth your spirit into their hearts. Grant them inner strength, grace, and wisdom to cultivate the qualities by your spirit that will cause productive labor, great increase, and that eternal inheritance to come forth into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, which means how do I go about working in a way that will be productive, honest labor that will generate wealth. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, it tells us this, the first attitude. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in a singleness of heart, fearing the Lord. So he said, wherever you are laboring, do it with singleness of heart, fearing the Lord, not with eye service as men pleasers. He said, fearing the Lord. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, which means with the whole of your heart, because it is unto the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that, and this is the key, of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, but he that doeth wrong, in other words, steals, shall receive for the wrong which he has done, for there is no respect of persons here. So the first thing we've got to understand about what you have in your hands today and the work that you are doing, that that is a place of direct service unto God. The mindset people have is that when we go to work, we're involved in secular work. God really doesn't know about that. But then when we come to church on Sunday, then that's where we serve God. So you ask a person, how are you serving God? He says, well, I'm in the choir in my church. Well, I'm an usher inside my church. He doesn't take his practice. If he's a lawyer, if he's a doctor, if he's a tech person, if he um, has a blog and, and, and if he's a journalist, if he's a janitor, if he's a carpenter, he doesn't take that as where he actually is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees that as secular work where he earns a living. Now, we've got to change this. And he feels, I'm doing that for money. But when I go to church on Sunday, then I'm doing that for God. The first paradigm shift that must happen is for people to understand the sacredness of their vocational calling or what we call secular work. That it is sacred unto God. That this concept of service only being in the temple of God came as a result of the law. That the patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they all were in direct service of God, hearing God. And where they were serving God was purely in the field in which they labored. So there's something, and it tells us in the New Testament here, you shall do it with all of your heart. You shall do it with the devotion you give to what we term religious work. For you are doing it unto the Lord. Now we'll transform labor as it's understood just with this paradigm shift. That people come to understand that where I work and go every Monday morning, I am in the direct service of God. And the way I treat people, will see this, will count. And that when I'm going to be judged, I can't be nasty in my work and say it's secular, and then get to church and be smiling and say, well, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, serving God. No, that's the place. 
most of the time you will spend on this earth, you will spend not inside, all right, the four walls of a church or religious worship center, but you will spend it in your vocational calling and what we have termed secular work. So we've got to make that understand that that is a sacred place. So you change your attitude to it. And therefore, you understand that I am working directly for Jesus. All right? And therefore, I do it with all of my heart, knowing something else. All right? That I'm not doing it unto men, but unto the Lord. And then I know that I shall receive in that which I am doing the reward of an inheritance. For I served Jesus Christ. So Jesus is going to bestow upon you in the process of doing that work, if you do it as unto him, with singleness of heart, as you are serving Jesus, and we'll see this, and you walk with that level of integrity, we'll see the ethic you must bring to it, your work ethic. Then you surely will be rewarded with what the scripture has called an inheritance. And we'll show that because you are in the service, all right, of Jesus Christ. So I've written here, you must walk like it's Jesus you are working for. And he says he will reward you with the eternal inheritance. So we explain what that eternal inheritance is beyond money. But that eternal inheritance is something you receive because of the way and manner in which you've gone through, that will be transgenerational. Now, God says if you go about your work in a certain way as unto the Lord, he will directly reward you for it. Quickly go to Psalm 123. And it says, in from verse 1, this was David. Now, this is Psalm, but he was talking about the world of commerce and labor. He says, Unto thee lift I mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters. That's when they work. And the eyes of maiden look unto of a maiden to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes wait upon thee, O Lord, until you have mercy upon us. In other words, God says, I will reward that labor of yours that you are doing honor to me, that men may not reward you, and they cannot reward you. And I explain that. Yes, they might give you a salary. They might underpay you, or they might even claim they are, you are being well paid. But God says, if you go into that thing with the whole of your heart, and you serve in the context of that secular work of yours, knowing that is sacred unto me. And every service you render to somebody who walks in through the door is a service you are rendering to me. And every product that you give, it's naked and opened unto my eyes. And therefore, the detail of every single thing you do is in integrity, we'll see this, even though the individual may not even discover what you have put into it, but you know the eyes of the Lord are upon it. 
And because you have compassion and empathy for the person that you are relating with as part of your work ethic, the moral principles you have brought to labor, and you do that, God says, I will reward you with what I have called mercy. And this will result in you coming into contact and possession of what is termed in scripture, which we will see, an eternal inheritance where you are. So a person who works for Jesus directly, with this understanding of the sacredness of that which they are doing that is secular, will never remain on that particular spot. For they will be periodically visited by Jesus Christ. In what we are going to term coincidences, or what the scripture says, be hospitable unto strangers, for some have entertained angels unawares. In other words, where they're walking, people are going to come into that space, and doors of opportunities will be opened up unto them, and they will be rewarded from heaven by, all right, or they will see and recognize things there, right, as God's reward for the work that they have put in. But we are going into it, therefore, with this mindset. If we look at Genesis chapter 32 and verse 9, look at what Genesis 32 and verse 9. Let's see what Jacob said concerning his labor and reward. He said, and Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Hear what Jacob said. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies. In other words, he received many encounters and experiences of God's mercy. Of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant, for with my staff, or a walking stick, just a staff, I passed over this Jordan. When he was leaving his father's house for the first time, all he had was a staff. He said, now I have returned, I have now become two bands. He said, the mercy of God came upon what I was doing. As my reward. And the effect of this mercy is that I went out of my father's house just with a stick. A sling around. That was all my belongings. His sto a stone was his pillow. He said, I pulled down around my neck and now I'm returning with two almost mighty armies. This is the effect of God's mercy. Now, it's this kind of mercy that God wants to come on. You don't have to steal. You don't have to cheat. The mercy and living fear, all right, of, of being discovered one day. The mercy of God can come upon what you are doing when you do it right. And I want to show this. And an inheritance will be bestowed upon you. And massive results will come. You know, the Hilton Hotels, a luxurious chain of hotels. He started out as a janitor. A janitor is somebody who cleans. And he used to clean 
Conrad Hilton, the Waldorf Astoria, which at that time was the most expensive hotel, and for a long time, in America, situated in Manhattan in New York. Conrad Hilton said, one day I will buy the Waldorf Astoria. He, this is a janitor. He eventually did it. Right? By following a particular way of doing work that will cause opportunities to be opened up onto you. And from there, you get promoted and doors begin to open up and you experience quantum leaps without having to cheat or steal from any person. But by the mercy of God that comes upon what you are doing. So this is something that is practical we want to look at. But you have a certain attitude to your work. And you understand I can never be cheated. As I am now, I am a free person. I am completely free. Because I will go into what I am doing with all of my heart. And it doesn't matter how people respond. I can, I can do something with all of my heart and people benefited greatly from it and walk out of my life and I won't be hurt at it. For I'm not doing it to elicit a response from you. I'm doing it as unto the Lord and I am as certain as I know that God is alive. That in the process of time, the mercy of God will come upon what I am doing that will open up a door of opportunity for me to enter into a new phase upon this earth and I will be rewarded in, in eternity. So, fear is gone. I can put all of my heart into what I am doing, knowing that there is a God in heaven that is looking that will reward. After Sunday's message last week, somebody sent me a note and he said, I understand what you're saying now. I understand something I read. Michelangelo the painter, when he was painting the system chapel in Vatican City, that when he got into the ceiling, he started painting inner parts of it that nobody will ever have been able, ever be able to see without climbing up. And so somebody told him, why are you going to such detail where nobody will ever see? Forget about that. Nobody is going to see that. He said, yes, nobody will see it. But God sees my work and he will reward me. In other words, Michelangelo went into it, doing it in the light of eternity. As That's why till today you hear his name. His paintings, all right, this eternal, his paintings and the worth of it increase by the day, though he is long gone and dead. So let's get into this. All right? Now, if you look at Colossians 4 here, 1, it says, Master's reward which means it's your business to give material things that are just and equal. But whoever is serving, and you also, you do that, knowing that you are going to receive an eternal reward from God. Now, but there is something deeper than just, all right, earning a living from your work. Now, that's why a lot of people go about things the way they do. They just think it's about earning just a living and, and getting a salary or, or doing business and just getting money. It's beyond that. You know, I was studying a book written by a rabbi and he was talking about the contents of the Torah and he was talking about the power of loving kindness and one of the great virtues in scripture 
that reveal the divinity of God on the inside of man. That brings the presence of God, as the Jewish people would say, Hashem, into your life and create impact. Now you think about this. And he said, now think about this. That if you look at a school teacher, or let's give an example, a medical doctor, and use both of them. Now, a school teacher, to show you that you can, you can, the system of this world cannot, all right, in any way, recompense in a just sense, just with even monetary gifts, the exact labor and input that people have put into the lives of people. Now think about this. A teacher teaches students when they are young, invested her life or his life into them, taught them values, taught them things that stayed with them, put knowledge into them. 30 of these people, and she was doing this every year for 30 years. These people have turned into great people in society, judges, lawyers, um, um, businessmen, government officials, um, um, all kinds of things all over the world, transforming the world. Now, this woman, when she was teaching, let's say, was paid 10,000 naira. Now she has retired. The government is not even paying pensions properly. So she's in penury. Seated in a place with no light. But her contributions to humanity is speaking in New York, in London, in Tokyo, in Sydney, in Johannesburg. People are there working, making use of the values and the knowledge she gave to them. Spent 30, now, she was paid a salary. But I'm saying that salary is not a just recompense for the investment that that woman put into the lives of people. For she has created, at least contributed in creating hundreds of successful people, even running into thousands. Number two, you think about this. Ten people came in various times at the point of death. They had a 20-minute window to leave. They met with a medical doctor who knew exactly what to do, treated those people, and they, their lives were restored. They've gone out to become massive businessmen. Now, without the contributions of that medical doctor, they will be dead. They could be brain dead. They'll be dead today. Now, they go out in their life. Now, that medical doctor was paid a salary for the contributions he made or she made. This is life preservation. We're not talking about investment in a bit. This is the preserved life. Now, I'm trying to say that the economy of this world is skewed. And until we come to God's system, people are actually, and this part of what's causing the upville that is going on today in the world and everybody's shouting justice. Because the system in itself is an unjust system, except God is introduced and his divine hand into the world of labor. Now, those will become, now, if the doctor didn't contribute that, now, this doctor today sits down and probably just living an average life. So you ask yourself, is that a just actual recompense when you evaluate things? Now, but if you're working with a mindset that you're doing it unto God, and therefore, as you labor, 
You are praying consistently, Lord, reward me with your mercy. I will contribute everything in my heart into the lives of people and help them. But I look to you, O Lord, to reward me with your mercy. I'm saying in the process of the careers of these people, certain things will happen as acts of divine mercy, as a visitation from God Almighty that will bring about what is called an eternal inheritance within their lives. That when God, in fact, it could be that one of these people, now you have to be looking to God in heaven and praying that for it to work for you. And your eyes are not on the human system that is created. Or else you are going to feel cheated. But once you put your eyes, it could be somebody who is in charge, one of the students who is in charge, which is what happened to somebody like Joseph, where it was the chief butler he helped, that the king said, I'm looking for somebody, I'm looking for somebody who can interpret these dreams. Then the chief butler said, oh my goodness. Many years ago, I was in prison. There was somebody I met in prison. God forgive me. I, I forgot completely about this person. Go and bring him and became prime minister. Just recompense. It could be somebody out there who was once a student and he said, we need a person of integrity. And he says, excuse me, in the board meeting. He says, what? He says, excuse me. I knew a teacher 25, 30 years ago. She was a woman of integrity. The only person I can put here that I'll be satisfied will not take a dime from this particular thing. And they ask her, where is this person? She said, she's in Africa somewhere. I can go and fetch her. They said, go and fetch her, bring a work permit. Now, that is God's mercy coming. I'm just giving examples on labor that produces something beyond the system of what man considers to be a just recompense for what you have done, which can never be a just recompense. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.